Welcome to Crime by the Bar. Welcome to Crime by the Bar. It is Friday. I'm so glad it's Friday. And it's mystery day. Yeah, I need to get on a flight, like, now. Ooh, yeah, we yeah. better wrap this up then. Actually, um, by the time this is out, I'll probably be on a plane. Mm. Flying home. And by the time people have listened through all of it, maybe you've landed. Yeah, mm. maybe I'll already be drinking gin with Auntie B. Oh, oh. Auntie B, fuck yeah. Auntie B, fuck yeah. Um... <laughs> Yeah, I'm going to see Auntie B this weekend. Mm. Drink some gin, live We're it up, all envious, and uh, and have a really awesome time with um, with one of my favourite ladies in the whole wide world. Mm-hmm. And uh, being in her mid to late nineties, depending on where your classifications fall. Um, <laughs> yeah, I um, she's yeah, she's my patronus. Mm. Yeah. I'm changing it from uh, my Patronus being Chloe, Chloe from Apartment yeah. 23 to <laughs> Auntie B, um, which is which is good. Auntie B is badass. Um, okay, so seeing as I'm pushed for time, probably. <laughs> well, you're. I don't you're know. I'm either boarded by now with yeah. this banter. I hope I'm boarded by now. I hope I didn't miss my flight. Ooh. Nah, it's gonna be fine. Yeah. Okay. Cool. I, I can see you on the horizon, swooping away. I haven't packed. As it stands. <laughs> <laughs> okay, the separate timelines are. Okay, sorry, I'll shush. Yes. Um, okay, we are once again talking about work Ugh, mm. on a Friday. Yeah. Um, we're covering crimes that happen uh, with colleagues or in the workplace. It's our working week. Um, <laughs> so the question remains who is worse this glorious, glorious Friday? I'm pretty bad. I'm brief but brutal, let's say. Shall you go first? I don't know. I like I'm Okay, yeah, you go first. Okay. Cool. That's easy. Fair enough. Brief but brutal. That that sounds like a really nice description. Let's see how this goes. <laughs> Jonathan, <laughs> me tell me your story. I shall tell you my story. Um I shall tell you the tale of Ruth Penelope Bell. I don't think I know this one. You don't? No. I I was considering if it might have crossed your path. Uh, The story takes place back in the uh, early 90s in (gasps) Denham. Denham? In Buckingham. Is that in England? Yes. I mean Buckingham, England, rather than um, like American. No, not Buckingham. New Buckingham Shire. (laughs) 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 New Buckingham Shire in Connecticut (laughs) or whatever. Right, right. Uh, very possible, to be fair. Uh, but no, England. Uh, but I'm pretty sure I've heard of Denham, but I... Um, um, I haven't heard of Denham. Are you sure you're not just getting mixed up with IT crowd? Denham, Renham? Oh, no. <laughs> okay. I'm relatively certain. Um, Continue. Yeah, let's Sorry. go with that. <laughs> um, let's say England. It's not that far away from uh, London, the the London area, at least. Okay. So Penny was living there with her... um, Oh, terribly sorry. Forgot to mention. So her name was Ruth Penelope Bell, but she was known as Penny. Okay. That is how I shall refer to her. Um, So she was living with her husband and they had two children together, aged uh, 11 and 9, respectively. Okay. Mm -hmm. 
She was a partner in a catering employment agency based in North London. Uh, and they were apparently doing rather well for themselves through this little company they ran. So one day on the 6th of June in 91, the day started like normally enough. Uh, Penny was up in the morning. She was talking to workers at her home. They were doing a lot of renovations and stuff. Mm-hmm. She hadn't, um, she wasn't going to her office or anything, but she had been talking to the workers in general. Then all of a sudden, she, uh, in the middle of a conversation with the workers, she was like, oh, oh, damn. I'm so late for a meeting. Uh, this was at around 9.40. In the morning? Uh, yeah. Well, I don't know why in the evening would have made that better. It's weird. <laughs> I think 9.40 in the morning is a bit more normal to be late for meetings, I guess. Yeah, 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 yeah. you're right. But, but yeah, she, um, I don't know, I don't think she said exactly when it was supposed to be. There were some inferences, but... Uh, I'm so she, late. Oh, yeah, pretty much. Uh, so she like packed everything up, uh, rushed out of her car... And she went on her way. But after this, we're not exactly sure what happened. So afterwards, uh, people looked and they realized that she did not have an appointment set in her calendar. Mm. Uh, Even though she was kind of meticulous with all the work uh, meetings and all that. But she didn't have anything in her calendar. Yeah. And, uh, like, nothing really pointed to any kind of business she might have gone off for. Um, she, in the car, what we know she packed, for instance, she had not really, she mostly had stuff relating to herself. I think she had some samples laid out in the back, but that was related to the renovation uh, of her home and not to the oh, work, basically. So it wasn't food samples, which uh, would be kind of no, weird. <laughs> no, not food sample. Uh, <laughs> this was textile, I'm quite certain. But, but yeah, she drove off. We're not sure what happened. However, we had two witnesses mm-hmm. that have come forward with statements saying that they saw her driving well a woman matching her description and the car matching and everything yeah um driving very very slowly uh, with hazard lights flashing kind of being annoying in the middle of traffic one witness said that it kind of looked like well she had a passenger in the passenger seat Mm -hmm. like she might have been struggling with them one the, the other of the witnesses said that he actually saw her as he was driving past her and looking because this weird person driving slowly in the middle of the road and everything. Yeah. Looked over and saw her mouth, help me, from the car. creepy. And the guy drove past and didn't do anything. Oh, what an asshole. Which is really worrying like it's one thing if it looks like someone might be having a fight that might just be you know as in like having an argument or like hands in the air or stuff like that but someone looking at you and doing like help me yeah someone's doing a passive like oh help me kind of like flippant Mm. i can't be bothered talking to you anymore type thing in the car with someone else like that's But, but whoa, looking into someone's eyes, staring across the way, mouthing, help me. <gasps> oh, that's creepy. Just drove off on their business, which what is a creep. Oh, what an really, really bad, in my, Don't in my do opinion. That. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, so neither witness did anything. Uh, they noted it and remembered it, but mm-hmm. did nothing. Um, so it's estimated that she drove to 
the Gurnell Grove Leisure Centre car park. Okay. At uh, around 10.30. Okay. Uh, that she drove in there. Um, but then we're not sure exactly what happened until around noon mm-hmm. when a pair of women, uh, they had been to the park. Uh, they were returning to their parked car and then they uh, found her vehicle there. Wow. And Penny had been murdered. She had been stabbed to death in her car, which was then abandoned with her in it in the car park. Yeah. And she had been stabbed over 50 times in the chest. That's insane. That is an insane amount of stab wounds. I mean, think about, like, actually how much energy that would take. Like, (laughs) that's crazy. It gets slightly more crazy, actually. Because, uh, so, of course, police was called in. They investigated the car and the crime scene. Mm -hmm. Uh, They saw that there were no traces of sexual assault. Uh, All of her belongings and valuables were accounted for. Mm -hmm. But the forensics showed that the attack had begun with the killer sitting in the passenger seat, striking her with a knife. Mm -hmm. But at some point, the killer had gotten out of the car walked around to the driver's window and then continued stabbing her through the window instead. Which is slightly more crazy even than that. That's unbelievable. Yeah. So, like, there is a point where, yes, like a manic frenzied attack, but for some reason having that pause, like, we don't know if they went out and was going to leave and then went back or if they... I know the right arm got tired, so they went around so they could do with the left. I don't know. It was That's madness. 50. But 50 like, it's You know what is kind of scariest in a way? Whenever someone goes for the overkill, you mm-hmm. kind of take it as, as something irrational and um, something that, you know, is impulsive. But whenever you get out and walk around the car and go to the other side, it's just like there's obviously a break at this point. Mm. There's some sort of rational thought process that goes through the mind that causes yeah. them to do that. That's the thing. Like there, there's a moment of calm in, in between all of that horror. Like, how does that work? That's awful. It really is. That is terrifying. I did say it was brutal. So now we know why they went out looking for witness statements from, for instance, the people who drove past her. Mm -hmm. Uh, So one of the people who saw her driving described the person in the car with her uh, as they were kind of fighting or struggling. There was one source mentioning that she, when she saw that someone else was driving past her, she tried to like uh, pull off the road. Yeah. Uh, But then the man like stopped her and like took the wheel and steered her out on the road again. So one witness described the attacker as a man of about 40 with dark hair, possibly sporting a beard and wearing a bracelet on his right hand. That could be anyone. Kind of. Possibly sporting a beard. What does that mean? (laughs) I guess it might have been shady or something. Yeah, but wow. Uh, But but yes, we got a very like kind of non-constructive description of the attacker, at least. Mm -hmm. But there is an extra facet to this mystery. Okay. Which is that on the 4th of June, yeah. two days before Penny died, yeah. she withdrew £8,500 
from an account I think she shared with her husband. Yeah. Uh, the money was never found. Huh. And they could not find any any leads on what it was for. Huh. So she was normally also very meticulous with keeping track of all expenses and yeah, all withdrawals yeah. and everything. No traces here. They just knew that it was withdrawn. And then something must have happened. Yeah. So police offered a reward for any information that could uh, help solve this case. Mm-hmm. Let's start like, okay, this was in the 90s, but uh, it kind of increased uh, over the years, the reward. Uh, by the year 2000, so nine years after the actual murder, mm-hmm. uh, it was at £20,000 as a reward for information that could lead to um, well, them catching the killer. Yeah. Uh, at this time, the police had taken over 8,000 interviews and 2,500 written statements. That's a lot. But they had not found a single lead on this. Wow. Uh, so the only thing I could find as even mentioned in public record was that they did follow up briefly on a friend of the family mm-hmm. whose uh, fingerprints had been found in the car. That could mean anything. Though. That could mean anything. Um but uh, so, yeah, nothing really came of that, but they did look into it at least. Yeah. Some, I did find some dubious sources and people referring to these, like hinting at uh, more information and the possibility of Penny having an affair that led to the horrible end. But uh, like looking through, like the only actual sources that people were pointing towards, nothing looks credible at yeah. all there. It's very tabloidy and even poorly proofread tabloidy uh, whatever these texts were were from yeah so i i do not pay much heed to that yeah um but in 2006 uh, penny's daughter shared her story yeah. in a documentary called uh, remembering mum uh, and basically her going through. So she was nine when her mother died. Wow. Uh, and she has had like a, almost like a mental block. She has not been able to remember anything that happened before the afternoon when uh, she came home and heard the news of her mother's fate, basically. Really? Mm. That is so sad. It is really sad. So, so she can't remember her mum? Barely, no. She She basically remembers from the funeral service and all that. Uh, so the, the documentary just follows her. They kind of try to reawaken any memories, hoping they could find some clues or some information that could help progress the case or so. I haven't seen the documentary, but it doesn't sound like they got anything there. Uh, but it was kind of, well, I mean, it is a really sad story for a kid like that, regardless. Yeah. Uh, but also hearing like how... Um, apparently, yet again, I haven't seen the documentary, but uh, they went through... like. Because she was uh, interviewed by the police back in uh, 91 as well. Yeah. And also partly her coming to grips with it and also her, like, having the weird impression of looking at her the younger self, giving really detailed descriptions of, like, how uh, the last time she saw her mother there. And uh, apparently, I think the daughter actually had seen the money in... Uh, a bag before that day as well uh, and something like that that's really weird which is kind of weird i have questions uh, i have mm-hmm. many many questions oh uh, or do I you want me we, to wait i think we all do no th- this is basically it the case is still open there was a um uh, 
uh, like it was never close, but it was put up for like a new review with fresh eyes, hoping to find something else. Uh, mm, I think it was around uh, partially 2004-ish and a bit later, but no, no clues, no leads. It's open and it's a mystery. Whoa. Mm. First of all, glad you went first <laughs> because there are a lot of similarities to mine. Oh, really? Yeah, like a lot. Huh. Um, but... Okay. First thing. Apparently she's like really... She's meticulous with keeping her calendar up to date. So it's really unusual that um, she would say she has an appointment and then there's nothing in her day planner. Mm-hmm. And it's not typical for her to take out cash and not explain where it's going. Pretty so much. it might be normal for her to take out large sums of cash to pay for stuff in the catering business, but it's definitely not normal for her to take cash out and have no explanation of what it's for mm. and no record that anyone can find. Yeah, and uh, I don't think that the amount of cash would have been normal even if she kept track of it. From what I heard, like it yeah. was a large amount. Yeah. And I would assume most of the things he would do would be... Um, like through billing and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, there's the odd exception, but you usually would have regular suppliers for mm. things, and then you get invoiced. Yeah. You don't. You don't carry cash. No. Um, are we hundred percent sure it wasn't her husband? It sounds like it. Yes. Okay. Um, I couldn't find any direct details, but looking at everything, he uh, like they went through the standard procedures on everything and mm-hmm. it looks like they looked into it. And presumably uh, they checked the witness uh, to see if he could identify the husband or something like that. Like that, that would be so basic. You th- just assume that they would have been that. basic. Yeah. yeah. I, I'm kind of assuming they did that, but yeah. I think, uh, and I'm just grasping this from my brain, but I'm pretty certain that he had a, um, uh, basically alibi. waterproof alibi. It, it was during a working day. Yeah. I'm assuming he was covered. Yeah. Um, okay. Then the questions are, why would she have taken out cash? Why Mm. wouldn't she have written down what it's for? And why wouldn't the appointment be in her day planner? Mm -hmm. So either it's something that she intentionally left out Mm -hmm. or something that was fairly spontaneous and the cash was taken out two days before. So that makes me think it's not that spontaneous Mm -hmm. and, but not having it in her diary seems kind of spontaneous unless it was just set like the night before or Mm. so she knew that she had something upcoming or something she didn't want to show like when i see this my my brain of course goes to like a blackmail situation because huh that's interesting my mind goes to planning a surprise party for her husband Oh, <laughs> yeah, you're wow. such a better person than I am. I think this is just reflective of my current state of mind. Apparently I had a good week and I'm happy it's Friday. But Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> and you're all into blackmail. What happened this week for you? Shit. What did you do? It's been rough. Yep. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> okay, uh, your mind goes to blackmail. Yeah, kind of. Because like uh, the main other theory I've seen has been mostly... Uh, when I remember... Uh, when I mentioned the dubious sources thing. Yeah. Uh, like most of those point towards her having an affair and meeting up with her lover and then they killed him or something. It killed her. Um, but hmm. like, I don't really think that fits. I saw someone else uh, chiming in on that as well with just like, especially mentioning to the workers. Yeah. Because I have an appointment. Oh, I'm really late. Yeah. Like that's 
like if they were meeting up with a lover or something like she doesn't need to explain herself she could just say oh i'm going out now like yeah doesn't need to explain that the whole mentioning it as an appointment that way kind of indicates either it was something really work-related which it doesn't look like Mm -hmm. or it was something that she was like nervous or pressured around and then that kind of came up so that's why i'm thinking blackmail that's utterly bizarre Mm. unless she was planning on running away with her lover even then it Mm. doesn't make much sense to tell the colleagues no and not even colleagues just workers renovating her home oh sorry yeah Mm. i hear yeah um that's really weird yeah Huh. Unless she was covering so they don't say to her husband, she went out with her lover, or she went out. Like, why did she go out? Yeah, well, I mean, she could have gone to have a brunch, or she could have gone to get a coffee or something. No, you need a reason to leave the house at 9.40. Well, sure, I'm just saying she could have made up a reason. She just didn't need to pull it out on the spot for the workers. Could it have been one of the workers? Again, you'd think they'd check that. I'm kind of assuming. Also, from from the sound of it, I uh, it sounded like there were several people working there, and I think they would have noticed if someone snuck off. Unless they all covered for each other. Probably yeah, not. Probably not, no. Hmm. Very, very strange. Mysterious, even. It's a good mystery. Mm. Mm-hmm. Brief and brutal, as mentioned. Yeah, 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 as advertised, good job. <laughs> that's really sad, though. It is, it is. You'd like to think that's not possible to happen in daylight. With people looking at it as it's unfold, that's what gets me. Oh, I hope like, that dude was haunted by not doing anything. Hopefully. Because, I mean, maybe it wouldn't have made a difference, but it's just like, why wouldn't you at least call the non-emergency phone number yeah why well i don't know i guess you make these impulse choices and if you're driving and you're not supposed to no it was it was 1992 oh hold on a second it was 92 91 91 Mm -hmm. so you don't have a mobile phone if you're really lucky you have a car phone but most people wouldn't have had a mobile phone and most people wouldn't have had a car phone so maybe actually it was really inconvenient and but if you're driving, you don't. I, I, okay, look, I think it's insane. <laughs> I think you should have reported it. But also, we live in a different age. Like, oh, yes. and in all seriousness, in 1991, um, yeah, I don't know. He probably just assumed it was some crazy lady being melodramatic because everyone was super sexist back then and no one had a mobile phone. <laughs> Not that no one's sexist these days, but yeah. You're frowning a lot. I'm frowning a lot. I'm grasping at straws. We're frowning. Indeed. (laughs) Are we ready for another crime? I guess we are. Mm. Um, Yeah, okay, you know what? I'm just going to launch into it. Launch away. Um, I wonder if you came across this one. Um, Have you heard of Susan Taraskovitz? No. Okay. Um, so Susan, uh, or Sue Taraskovitz was a 27 year old who worked for Northwest Airlines. I'm going to take mm. you on a bit of a story, um, to get to, to our, um, well, yeah, 
I'll take you. Stabby ta- climax. Yeah, I'll I'll take you on a little bit of a journey mm. to that. Well, that's what we're here for. Yeah. Okay. So, Sue Taraskovitz worked um, at Northwest Airlines since May 1987. She started out cleaning interiors of planes and later uh, de-icing them. Her mom actually said this was her favorite job. Um, As a full-time focus for employment? I think it's it was just one of her tasks whenever she was uh, working for the airline. I mean, that is kind of a hardcore title. Yeah, pretty much. Aeroplane yeah. de-icer. I, I don't think she was like, yeah, eight-hour shift of de-icing planes, but <laughs> apparently she really enjoyed it. Um, but... Yeah, she she started off as just a standard uh, cleaner on the on the planes, and she worked her way up from there. Um, so she started there at, at around twenty two. Um, but for so for two years, that was what she did, and then for the following three, um, she was moved over to ground crew, and that's when things started taking a turn for her. So at the time, Sue was the second woman ever to work for Northwest Airlines as a ground service employee. Really? Um, yeah, which which sounds insane. Now, I haven't given you the year yet. Um, we are, are sort of covering the late 80s and early 90s. Um, so by the time she started the ground crew, it was um, around 1989, early 1989. Um, that, that still sounds weird, though. You know what's crazy? So I listened to a This American Life episode a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually pulled the the name of it and the, the episode number because it's a really good episode that I can highly recommend. Um, it <laughs> is This American Life episode 647 and uh, the title is LaDonna. Um, the episode is about a woman called LaDonna Powell. She worked for a few years at the TSA and then moved into a different job um, This is a direct description from This American Life. Um, The new job was out in the tarmac with a private security firm um, that worked with the airport. Eventually, that firm was bought over by Allied Universal, which is like this huge, big company. Um, It sounds very conglomerate-y. Yeah, but it's an awesome episode. What I didn't realize, um, it's... It's essentially a story about um, speaking out against sexual harassment and she ends up losing her job, but she was she was put through so much shit, this woman, LaDonna. Like, whenever she got her job as uh, part of a security firm on the ground, mm-hmm. um, one of the things they had to do was uh, do checks on the tarmac and, yeah, patrols, things like that. And there were, there were a couple of spots that people really didn't want to go to um, that were really, really far out, as far away as possible from the airport. So there was this one shed in particular that was like furthest out of the grounds. And all of these sheds have like security cameras in them. And she started being sent out to this shed more and more and more when she was on duty. Um, when she started speaking out against sexual harassment. So it started off with like some fairly odd, but seemingly not normal, but some people might argue harmless things. I would argue otherwise, but um, so one of them was, I think it was her first day on the job. There was a guy who just started making weird small talk about things and you know, he made a couple of inappropriate remarks about, I think, maybe ethnicity of other colleagues or about sexual orientation, like just weird little remarks that you're like, 
I I would hope I don't have to deal with this but for me I'm just like I've dealt with this so much that I'm like this is bullshit but it's mm. also so standard that you're rolling your eyes going this isn't fair but you know what are you going to do if if you picked a fight over every person who behaved like this you would just you wouldn't get anywhere mm. um but even that kind of escalated quite quickly the guy ended up um I think he had porn. That was it. He had porn and was like masturbating on the job. And um, and he made her somehow aware that this is what he was up to. Anyway, uh, she complained about him and he ended up getting fired. But not for that. He got fired for stealing water. Like of all things, of course, you're not fired for saying sexually inappropriate (laughs) things or later racist things or or actually being sexually inappropriate. You're fired for theft, of course. Um, But anyway, stealing water, stealing water. Yeah, seriously. It's a really good episode. You should listen to it. Everyone should listen to it. Um, Okay, so that actually I forgot how bad that was until I started recounting it. But then there was another one where there was some other male employee said, you need to take your jacket off. And she's like, I'm not taking my jacket off. And she was really like, why should I take my jacket off? I don't have to take my jacket off. And it turned out what he was doing was just trying to perv on her and check her body out. And that's what I was thinking whenever I was like, yeah, some people would think, I I think that's bad. But like, if you're new as well, you just kind of, I mean, a lot of the time you just make the stupid decision and then realize afterwards, shit, that's what that was about. But she just, she just came across a badass smart woman um, who doesn't take any shit. Hmm. Um, but so she started speaking out about these sorts of things and complaining to her union, complaining to the her employer. And she started more and more being sent out to the shed um, as far away as possible from the building. And she'd be left there um, for an entire shift without being able to take a bathroom break, without being able to do anything. And there's like, um, you're not allowed to, I think it was, you weren't allowed to bring food in, um, but they would leave her out there all day and not send anyone to replace her. And she would say like, can you send someone to replace me? And they'd just say, yeah, there's no one available, blah, blah, blah. And if she went to the very corner of the room, then she could like sneak in some food so she could snack in the corner of the room. The whole thing is awful. And the more you listen to it, it just gets worse and worse. But eventually she manages to get a supervisor position and gets into the supervisor office and sees it's a hundred times worse. Like they, they now do it with another woman in that shed in the middle of the nowhere. And whenever she's saying, can someone send out a replacement because I need to go to the bathroom? They're like going, yeah, yeah, we'll do what we can. And then they don't do anything. And now she's seeing it from the other side saying, yeah, it is as bad as I thought it was. Mm. And it's it's another woman who was speaking out. It goes, it goes on and on. It's absolutely horrible. She tells stories um, about there being porn in the break room, about people asking her about her sex life like just and and all this harassment she sees going on against other women as well and it's really crazy because this is super recent her story like it was on uh this american life like i don't know a month ago um but yeah do listen to it it's episode 647 and i had no idea that it was such a boys club um but it's horrendous Going back to that, <laughs> it's 1991, so it's yes. 20 years ago, more than 20 years ago, almost 30 years ago. Um, yeah, doesn't that make you feel old? Um, well, most things does. <laughs> so it's almost 30 years ago. She is, um, she's only the second ever female ground crew member um, for Northwest Airlines. 
So at that time, there were very few women working in the positions by the sounds of uh, that This American Life show. There's still not that many women. Mm. Um, but yeah, they, there were very few women working in those kind of positions and there was none in supervisor levels or above. Um, and she was immediately subjected to harassment. So we're back on Sue Taraskovitz here. Mm. Um, and it was really crazy whenever I was researching this because a lot of it had echoes of the This American Life story mm. um, with LaDonna. So this is a direct um, quote from a newspaper article. Women's underwear and tampons were strewn about a worker's coffee break room. The room was described by one co-worker as a hell zone with centerfolds of naked women on the refrigerator and copies of Playboy and Hustler laid open on the tables. Often, the workers would say, male employees would gather around the magazines making loud grunts and groping themselves, um, also exposing themselves. And there was one employee, um, well, actually a supervisor who was known for doing that, as well as urinating in an employee's coffee thermos and then rubbing his genitals on another co-worker's sandwich. It, like, oh, so this sake. is all reports shared by the union whenever they were interviewed by major newspapers. And there are so many reports that completely corroborate the, what I'm going to tell you about Sue's experience um, of, of her time there. Um, I can imagine there is a huge amount of reports that don't get that far as yeah, well. Yeah, and... Even more terrifying. Yeah, so th and this is 30 years ago, and then you have that LaDonna story, and it's like, shit, a lot of the same stuff is still happening. Yeah. Um, so she was subjected to, to constant sexual abuse and um, the, the whole thing was, sorry, sexual harassment and abuse and it was, it was bad. Some of the worst culprits were um, allegedly Robert Brooks and Joseph Nuzo. Um, Robert Brooks was at some point suspended. Uh, that was around late 80s, early 90s. Um, bear in mind, she'd been working there since 87 and only on the ground crew since uh, 89. Yeah. Um, he was suspended and later given a second chance. And Joseph Nuzo was originally fired, but then by January 1990, they had uh, changed it to, they came to an agreement to make it a suspension without pay. And then by March, they decided to give him a second chance. So he ended up, coming back and apparently never forgave Sue for reporting some of his behavior to the union and he completely blamed her um, for reporting it not once thinking hey, I shouldn't be doing this so in late 1991 she was up for a uh, promotion to equipment service crew chief um, which is also known as ramp supervisor basically it's a supervisor for the ground crew that loads and unloads baggage and mail off the planes mm -hmm. she missed out on the, the role for someone who applied after the deadline. She was a member of the same union to the guy who won the role. Um, and she, she complained, um, the actual, yeah, the original offer was actually revoked. And by February, she was promoted to the position. So she did oh. actually get it, which was pretty mm. cool all in all. So this is now February, 1992. Yeah. Um, the harassment actually got worse, although maybe that's to be expected because, ugh. So there had been a lot of, pretty nasty stuff uh, directed at her for a while, um, but it, it got even worse. There was sexually explicit graffiti about her in the men's toilets and on work equipment, including descriptions of her performing oral sex and statements calling her a slut, a bitch, and a whore. 
Um, there was also a large drawing of her with her legs spread that showed up in a wall in an airplane cargo bay. Um, she also started receiving phone calls at strange hours, often in the middle of the night, but she also worked night shifts, so sometimes it would just be at weird hours all around, and her car was vandalized. Um, the other thing that started happening is anyone who stood up with her was also su- stood up for her, was also subjected to abuse, so her boyfriend's car was vandalized, friends and co-workers' cars were vandalized, and even her sister's car was vandalized, and this is also off-site, so this was... Um, some of this happened in her driveway as well. Yeah. But we're going to go in a slightly different direction. So that was February when she got her promotion. By May and June in 1992, a group of baggage handlers were visiting the Foxwood Casino about 45 minutes away from Boston. Um, This is all happening, sorry, around Boston Logan International Airport. Um, So... Foxwood Casino, just outside of Boston, um, these baggage handlers were withdrawing large amounts of cash. Um, sometimes they would stay and gamble, sometimes they'd immediately cash in the chips. And on one occasion, six men arrived and using automated machines, um, they, they used their credit cards and driving license to withdraw thousands in chips and, and vouchers for the casino. Um, and then they walked out and returned minutes later with new credit cards and different identities and did the same thing. Oh, that's not suspicious at all. No, and there are six baggage handlers all together. So (laughs) another incident was on the 14th of May, 1992. It resulted in a baggage handler being arrested at the same casino. um, And he was in possession of $27,000 in cash, 11 credit cards and eight driver's licenses. Hmm. All in different names, all with his picture on them. Oh, to that extent as well. Yes. So, and it was the same thing, more or less, with all of them. They all had fake Massachusetts driver's licenses with different Mm. names, but um, seemingly their their photo and credit cards that matched. Oh, I I thought at first they were just being opportunistic, like nabbing cards from cargo, etc. But that is, yeah, that's some proper criming. Yeah. So by August 1992, numerous colleagues were subpoenaed in a grand jury case relating to a seven and a half million dollar credit card scam. Essentially, (laughs) so some of the baggage handlers were, of course, responsible for unloading and loading the mail. Sue was the one of the supervisors for these baggage handlers um but it seemed like there was a lot of them involved they were taking the cards and either reselling them quickly or creating fake ids um actually exclusively massachusetts driver's licenses because they're accepted by the casinos automated machines and i guess they Uh, had some setup where it was quite easy for them to to get them mm. they seemed decent enough uh forgeries um but yeah so either reselling them or creating fake IDs to match the details on the cards and then using them. But because the cards were, um, weren't were already in use by any customers, um, a lot of them just assumed the post was delayed and the cards sometimes wouldn't be reported missing, stolen or anything like that for a week. Mm. So that's quite a long time to get away with it because if you think, right, if you steal an actual credit card from someone, they're going to know right away, yeah. more or less. Um, but yeah, seven and a half million in this uh, stolen credit card ring. Um, In the years that followed, there were 37 federal and 19 state convictions in the case. Ten of those who were convicted were Northwest employees. Three of them were Joseph Nuzzo, Robert Brooks, 
and a guy called Joseph Ferretta Jr. And they, those three were all listed as having harassed or intimidated Sue in the years before. Mm. And she'd lodged cases with the union and with the airline, specifically talking about them. Mm. Um, she wasn't the only one who reported them, but she did report those three. Yeah. Um, by the time of the indictment for the grand jury, graffiti of a coffin with Sue's name in it showed up in the bathrooms at the airport. Oh. This is it. Oh, okay. How creepy is that? That is very direct and very creepy. Yeah. Um, she'd already had death threats from another colleague, but the, the colleague had made death threats against other people. It was one of the reasons uh, he was suspended. I think it was Robert Brooks. Um, <laughs> but it, ugh, the whole thing is just awful. Yeah. Um, okay, so... By this point, it's a month since the subpoenas. It is um, Saturday the 12th of September, 1992. Sue was working the graveyard shift. The shift was from 11 a.m. on Saturday until 7 a.m. on Sunday. Now, at 1 a.m., she volunteered to do a food run for her crew and started taking all the orders down. Then she left the airport to buy the food for herself um, and everyone else at a nearby sandwich shop. So it shouldn't have taken too long. Hmm. Before leaving, she reportedly received a strange phone call, but they haven't been able to trace it. They haven't been able to confirm it. Very little information on it, but apparently she received one. Um, okay. One union member who was also an employee of uh, Northwest said they saw Sue before she left and was quoted as saying she was not her normal uh, outgoing self. She was agitated and quiet. I exchanged hellos with her and watched her walk out of the area to go on break. Um, this is the last person that uh, admits to seeing Sue alive. Hmm. So, Monday the 14th of September. At this point, um, Sue's time card has been checked out of work normally at 7am, and she's actually been checked in for her next shift already. Hmm. Even though no one's seen her since she went off to get sandwiches. No one's reported her missing. Okay. So she was checked out of her last shift and checked into her next one. It is now Monday. It's about 30 hours after uh, the last time she was seen. Monday, 14th of September. Um, Sue was due to accompany her sister Deborah um, to a wedding gown fitting, but mm. she didn't show up. Um, her her mom had been a little bit, you know, curious the day before when she hadn't seen her daughter, but figured she'd pretty much got off shift and, and went to church. She was um pretty devoted Christian. And... Yeah, just just thought it's it's a bit weird, but she works night shift, so I guess it's fine. Yeah. Um, but whenever she didn't show up for the wedding gown fitting with her sister, it was, you know, really there's something going on here. Mm. So it seems like at that point, um, the family reported her missing. But on the same day, and still early, around 9am, a passerby had noticed blood dripping from the trunk of what turned out to be Sue's car. The car was parked oh. outside an auto body shop that was near the airport. The police were called and in the trunk, they found Sue. She'd been beaten and stabbed. Now, much like yours, she hadn't been robbed. She hadn't been assaulted in any way. Hmm. Um, sorry, she hadn't been sexually assaulted. Um, and the only thing that appeared to be missing was her necklace. Hmm. Nothing else. 
Um, her parents had no idea that she was being subjected to harassment at work. Um, and so much so they assumed that the murder was a, a random crime. And it was over a year later, it was uh, Christmas 1993, that Sue's mum, Marlene, um, found a briefcase in Sue's closet with her diary in it. And in the diary, oh. that's um, where she found really um, detailed documentations of abuse. It only covered maybe a year or two mm -hmm. of it. Uh, I think 89, 90, that kind of time period. But there was a lot of uh, complaints that were lodged um, with the union and with her employers. So they know it continued. They know it got worse. Um, but for her mom, it was a total shock. And it seems like she naturally was really struggling to to cope with her daughter's disappearance and mm. or sorry her um, her daughter's murder and had been avoiding going into her room and pretty much left it as it was so um that's why it was so long after whenever she found this um i mean i get that from the parents perspective but i hope that the police would be able to get some clues for instance with all the complaints and everything she lodged with the union and all that it, it seems like they didn't disclose it initially um what they did think huh. might be related to it was the grand jury case because the indictment um happened like a month before the murder mm. then you had the graffiti coffin thing show yeah. up and well i'll go into a little bit more detail on that shortly but um, they thought it was more likely to be related to that than to any sexual harassment or um, complaints generally that no. she'd lodged against uh, colleagues. So by 1995, the Taraskovitz family had actually decided to to push um, to sue Northwest Airlines for uh, not doing anything about the harassment. Mm -hmm. um, they ended up settling the suit um, and came away with $75,000. Now, what makes it super interesting is Northwest also agreed to add $250,000 as a reward for information leading to the arrest of Sue's killer. Um, they also agreed to establish a, a scholarship in her name, but yeah, a quarter of a million dollars as a, a reward for anyone who gives information about the murder. Yeah, I, I'm going to say like, both of those things, like I often... Like, we've already covered a lot of uh, points where people might, you know, in general, sue for damages or, well, relatives of people yeah. who are no longer with us yeah. do this. And, like, yes, partially it's it's just money. It's never going to heal any wounds. But at the same time, in most cases, it kind of comes down to, you know, these other people need kind of to pay for this, yeah. even if it's literally. But this like that especially the combination of partially yeah. reward mm -hmm. uh, for the caption you said a like a scholarship thing yeah the scholarship thing i think is really um like both of those are they actually mean something yeah however i'm about to ruin it oh shit northwest attorney richard ward said the settlement was not an admission of guilt he's quoted as saying um Northwest did the best it could under the circumstances. It takes its anti-sexual harassment policy very seriously. Obviously. Mm -hmm. Northwest is now part of Delta, by the way. Um, <laughs> just in case you're picking an airline provider. Important uh, consumer information. Then, you know, it's, it's good to... Oh, I'm not suggesting Delta has anything to do with this. I'm just saying. Um, Delta have enough issues without me pointing this. Probably. But, like, but yeah. I know nothing about them, but my gut feeling when I just hear the name is... Dog killers? 
Oh yes, that's those what people. comes to mind for yeah, me. Yeah, 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 true, true. You told Actually, me about that one. There's been a few, and but it's not I, I just get a general bad Don't worry. feeling. There are other airlines that will also treat your pet terribly. Oh, possibly. Sorry, it's not that they treated their pet terribly. Well, anyway, whatever. Um, <laughs> I, I'm going to stick with KLM and our friends. Yeah. If you guys want to sponsor us, then please do. Hey, especially <laughs> KLM, uh, as long as we get a say in the sandwich options. My favorite one is they do this um, tomato pasta thing with courgette and way too much oh, cheese and yeah. it's super salty. It's That's amazing. That's true. That's a good one. I had it whenever I was really hungover coming back from Madrid a few years ago and it was just like mm-hmm. absolute heaven. It works really well with the wine as well. I love that they give wine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, oh, I hope... So, KLM spokespeople, here we are. Yeah, KLM, come on, hook us up. <laughs> Actually, as you're listening to this, I might be on a KLM flight. There we go. Well, I I am flying KLM. So. Mm-hmm. I'm going to get back to it, finish my story. Do it, do it. So, Sue's mum, Marlene, is still working to keep uh, Sue's case in the press. And in one news article, she said, the case is still open. It's still being worked on. It's always going to be there. Please come forward. It's not too late. Um, and actually at this time, I'm going to do something we never do. Um, if you have any information relating to the case, please call the state police detective unit for Suffolk County. Um, and if you're in the U S which I'm guessing you are, you can reach them at 617-727-8817. And I'm also going to put it up on our website and mm. on Twitter whenever this episode launches. That's really good. Yeah. I like, do kind of love this. This is good. She, um, it's it's really heartbreaking because there's some really early interviews with uh, with Marlene, Sue's mum, and mm-hmm. she's, you know, saying people obviously have information and we're really confident we're going to, to find the people who did this and mm. da, 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 da. Um, and and then I, I searched to see if there was anything on YouTube on on the case and there's essentially two videos both from local police and both are her um doing a plea for information and sharing the story um so one of them is one was i think 19 years later and one was 22 years later so they're they're like not super recent but they're recent enough Mm. and it's it's just so sad because there are so many things that really don't make sense and um there aren't any answers. So I guess I have questions for you now. What do you think happened? Do you think it was really just a totally random killing and someone um, nabbed her on the way to the sandwich shop and it was opportunistic? And I mean, okay, I'm already pulling faces like there's no way that happened. Because there is no way, especially not with her checking in uh, after that as well the the card check-in yeah yeah like her her colleague said they did it to cover for her but she'd never done it before and you'd think if someone leaves at one in the morning you yeah. call someone you tell someone sure. like and, and just to clarify like mm-hmm. the colleagues who said they were covering from her just broadly generalizing because it feels we have yeah. pretty distinct camps here were they like definitely her allies or we not? we don't know we don't uh, know they there don't seem to be um well i was going to say that there doesn't seem to be that many outspoken allies for her there but that that's mm-hmm. not entirely true it's just um a lot of people were subjected to a lot of shit there by the signs of things mm-hmm. and um the ones who stood up for her were really 
um, getting a, a you know a hefty dose of abuse as well. Mm. Um, so yeah, it is possible that one of her um, colleagues decided to do it as as a like okay, but. You think if if you care enough to check someone back in, you care enough to check in with them and see yeah, what the story is. And no one came forward, as far as I can tell, to say they tried calling her and they couldn't get hold of her and they were worried. Or um, what, the next day when she didn't show up for mm. her shift, no one seems to have said like, "Oh, we were worried about her" or whatever. It's it's again like yeah, those two facts don't really work they, together. They don't at mm. all. And but at the same time, of all places, if you were planning on doing something to her, why would you pick her off in the middle of a shift? Like, people are going to be able to pinpoint um, more or less when she was abducted. Mm. I'm assuming she was abducted. I'm assuming she did not go willingly, Um, Um, which is a strong assumption. Less, at the same time, like, if you have, like, the timing was in the middle of a shift. Yeah. If you have accomplices who are in on it and can give you an alibi... That is a solid period to have and a solid, seemingly solid alibi. Yeah, maybe it was someone who was also on shift at the same time. Mm. That is kind of a scary thought. I didn't think about that. Mm. Um, Okay, so we're... But were there no physical evidence whatsoever on, like, when we're talking... Not, not... car, trunk, body, all of that? Nothing that has been shared, but it's an open investigation, Mm. so... Maybe there is a lot of evidence that they're just not sharing with the public, but it's mm. it's crazy. I actually was surprised at how little coverage there there seemed to be on this as well. Yeah. Okay, so we're pretty sure it wasn't a random killing. Um, do you think it related to the harassment? Do you think it was someone was pissed off and blamed her for like like the guy earlier who who really just held a grudge that she. Um, that she'd reported him like she mm. she did consistently report these guys for their behavior mm. and um she did have friends who said to her like you why don't you leave like they tried to convince her to take different jobs and she said i'm not going to be bullied and i'm not going to be forced out she was badass mm. she was really like, like there are so many parallels between her and uh Ladonna's Ladonna, story from yeah. um from this american life it, it was also kind of harrowing because i'm like shit like Donna's just I mean she's turned out okay I mean granted she's fired she lost her job over all this mm. so I mean by all accounts it's it's still bullshit but I mean she's got her life like how sad is that 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 I'm sitting here going oh lucky her she's got her life yeah but um but this is absolutely horrible and um Sue did the right thing but yeah okay so was it harassment? Was it related to the harassment? Or was it related to the credit card ring? My instinct as I was listening to this was mm-hmm. basically both. Yeah. Because, I mean, they're pretty tightly they, they knit. They are, yeah, aren't they? Um, so I just assumed that was partially the harassment and the uh, ire that can come from um, all the reports and all that. Mm-hmm. And this culminating if you already have such a... I was a deep toe, but uh, your toe is far enough into the pool of illegalities yeah. that it is easier to lean in that direction, I suppose. But yeah, yeah, and, and like there, the coffin, like yeah. yes, things can yeah. happen. It, it's so weird. Like we t- we spoke about this earlier in the week mm-hmm. as well. With you know, how can you distinguish death threats yeah. and stuff like that? Yeah, and also just I. 
I don't think I actually said something. I probably just made a face. But when you mentioned that she reported someone who had uh, made a death threat towards yeah. her. Yeah. Uh, and then you said, but this person had also made death threats towards a lot of other people. Yeah. So then and it's like. Like my split second instinctive reaction was almost like, oh, then it's probably not serious. Exactly. Whereas right? it should be the opposite. It should be. And yeah. But it's, it, it is like. It's the opposite of crying wolf, isn't it? Yeah. Which is insane. Mm. Um, so there is one other possibility that is also kind of linked with um, the harassment and the credit card ring. Oh. Uh, so someone we didn't hear about, Charles Lightbody. Um, Wait, sorry, Lightbody? Lightbody. Oh, body. Okay, it doesn't make it less weird. Okay. No. Uh, <laughs> so Charles Lightbody was convicted in 2006 for being involved in identity theft. He was also hmm. um, thought to be involved in the stolen credit card scheme and allegedly had, at the very least, mob ties. Um, but there are a lot of sources that suggest he was fairly high up in the mob in Boston. Hmm. Um, he had previous convictions for witness intimidation, assault, and handling stolen property. So he... I'm, I'm going to quote a bit from a newspaper here. Please do. Um, While you're looking up, I have to say how much I love the combination of... Throwing stuff in at the end? Um, no, the allegedly and at the very least yeah. right after each other. Yeah, sorry Which is, about that. No, no I, I, I get why. It is fine, but... <laughs> It made me giggle internally. It's creeping me out. Um, okay, so federal investigators claim co-worker Joseph Nuzza told others just before Sue's death that he had um, feared Susan knew about his credit card theft ring and would talk to the police. Um, as a side note, she had started believing the death threats and in the weeks before her death, she did say she feared for her life. Mm. Don't know if if it was much worse than before because you do wonder in hindsight if if friends are just going she did say in the last couple of weeks she was scared that someone was after her yeah. um back to the article he uh this is joseph nuzo was convicted of uh he was convicted of the credit card scheme and went to prison for five years um he told the boston globe he had nothing to do with susan's murder Another co-worker who claimed he had a relationship with Susan pled guilty to obstruction of justice for lying to a federal grand jury investigating her death and went to prison for 18 months. Um, he actually, I believe, uh, he perjured himself, apparently, oh. this, this other co-worker. Um, but since he admitted, do we know about what or in what context and what was the actual truth? He said that he basically lied about his alibi, but we know that he wasn't in the area when she died. So it didn't make any sense. It was really weird. Um, he said that he was working at the time that she was murdered, but they later proved that wasn't true. And he was given the opportunity to fix his testimony and he didn't. He insisted that he hadn't spoken to anyone uh, in Boston and that he had been in work. And he was like thousands of miles away or at least hundreds of miles away, but he definitely wasn't in work. And he probably did speak to someone on the day of her murder. That he claimed he didn't. I mean, that's just so much more suspicious. Isn't it, though? Like, yeah. for sure he was not there, but there's something weird going on there. Um, really weird, yes. So the last one was Robert Brooks. Mm -hmm. um, 
Robert Brooks actually, it, it says in, uh, uh, Robert Brooks was actually a, um, an usher at Joseph Nuzo's wedding, by the way. That's how close they were. Oh. Um, and they were convicted at the same time as Charles Lightbody in this new scheme involving identity theft. Mm-hmm. So Robert Brooks, who was once Nuzo's usher, um, admitted he lied when he denied talking to Nuzo on the day of Susan's death. Um, there's also another guy to throw into the mix. Northwest worker Arthur Rizzo of East Boston served five years in prison for his role in the stolen credit card scam. In 2006, he was busted again for credit card fraud. He and 11 others in Boston and New York are suspected of possessing... Ho- uh, sorry. He and 11 others in Boston and New York are are suspected of posing as Homeland Security officials and calling Pakistani and Im- Indian immigrants to steal their identities. That was the latest thing that they were convicted in. So, I mean, that is a very severe combination of impersonating officials and hate crime, I guess. And, well, and stealing identities. Well, and that too, but well, the, I mean, the it's two not others seem a bit heavier. It's more but, opportunistic, right? Um, uh, but these are all, this is a combination of ex-colleagues of Sue and um, this guy that apparently has mob ties, Charles Lightbody. Hmm. And Marlene, her mother, is convinced that people know, a lot of people are convinced that um, that it's not that someone knows what happens happened, it's that people know what happened and they're not coming forward. And you're talking mm. about a quarter of a million um, that's been sitting as a reward for, what, 25 years almost? Yeah. That's not nothing. There's a reason why people aren't coming forward. Maybe it is related to the mob. Hmm. The whole thing is crazy. And I can't believe it hasn't got more coverage. Yeah, from what you're telling me, this is like, it is all horrible. But aside from being like unsolved mystery, it's also a very good story with so many layers. Yeah. Um, I would have thought this would have been jumped on more. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I guess people get caught up in the credit card fraud and they forget like, hey, at the core of this, there's a woman who was harassed for years, mm. stood up for herself, was a total badass by all accounts, yeah. and lost her life for some horrible reason that we're not even sure about. Mm-hmm. But um, the police did were, were very outspoken in that she had nothing to do with the credit card fraud, by the way. Mm. Um, but she would have supervised some of the people who were involved. And part of me wonders if she discovered something that night. And that's what happened. But it doesn't really explain the phone call or the the possible phone call before she left work on the sandwich run. Like the the whole thing is a little bit strange. And also, sorry if I got the timeline wrong, but by the time, I'm not sure what she would have discovered because they were all already kind of hooked on the credit card charges before that. No, it was just the grand jury indictment that had come through a month before. So you know Mm. what grand jury is about? Grand jury is essentially determining whether or not um, the case is strong enough to go to a full-blown trial. Oh, okay. So it's, um, imagine, so the burden of proof is a lot lower because Mm. you don't need to like convince these people that uh, your um, plaintiffs should be convicted. All you need to do is convince them there's enough here for a case and Mm. enough here to take it to the next stage. Okay, so, that makes it way more likely as well that if she would have found something, that would be more a pressing issue to yeah. sort out. Yeah. Yeah. Because they're already being indicted and they don't know how much they have. It could also just be as simple as they thought, uh, like, 
one of these guys had had basically said that she was a snitch and it doesn't mm. seem like she even knew about it she definitely wasn't involved or maybe the police are protesting too much and i don't think there's any point in covering it up at this point you think they'd just say look she knew yeah hmm you're farting a lot i mean it's a sad and horrible story on several accounts yeah i say that calls for a friend does I, for a friend. <laughs> I don't really have any more theories per se beyond what we've gone through. I have uh, nothing so. more to to pull out of the bag. Hmm. <laughs> <sighs> yeah. This was an emotional one. It was. It was heavy. It was heavy. Yeah. Uh, maybe I should have gone first. I can't believe how much <laughs> it has in common with yours, though. Leaving work, yeah, sort of. Um, and... And showing up stabbed in your car yeah. where it seems to be there's the potential for a lot of witnesses and actually mm. no one's come forward other than... A lot than... of DNA and everything as well. Yeah. I mean... Like, I, I'm so surprised. I mentioned in your case the whole... Um, mm-hmm. Because, yeah, you have a body, you have an entire car that have been at the very least stopped but also driven. Yeah. Um, someone has been murdered and stuffed in a trunk and all that. Yeah. It feels, unless we're talking, you know, clinical, professional hitman style. But then why would you beat her first? Yeah, exactly. Um, Although beating, I mean, beating someone who you believe to be a snitch isn't, you know, unheard of. And it it is kind of in line with um, Boston mob hits of the day like it, it is kind of personal if you yeah it is I, actually. I would have thought it would have been a bit more dramatic uh, and it's like less personal oh, right. looking if it was um, uh, making an example thing yeah maybe. maybe oh isn't that thing isn't it the boston tie i don't know it's a something tie i think it might be a boston tie i might be wrong <laughs> um it is graphic but um what is it it's do i want to know why don't you tell me a story that involves it instead? Let's do a mob episode and we'll do that. I don't want to hear about it now. Oh, okay. We, we won't take it now. It's been sad uh, enough tonight. Fair enough. Um, um, uh, but, but yeah, uh, as I said, just, I'm still kind of surprised at the lack of physical evidence in your case. Yeah, maybe, maybe they just haven't shared it because it is an open case and they keep it, thinking someone might come forward. It might be possible. Uh, but also, I, I think I forgot to mention, but just... I don't think I highlighted the fact in my case mm-hmm. where we're talking yet again 50 stab wounds. Yeah, 50 stab in wounds. A car. Such overkill. How do you even do that? But even looking past the overkill, imagine someone has done that. Yeah. Partially from the passenger seat yeah. that walked around. Yeah. They must have been covered in blood. I didn't even think about that, of course. You know what I was thinking about? They must have cut themselves doing it. How could you not cut yourself doing that? think so well i mean that's really common anyway with a a stabbing because Mm -hmm. um yeah you have to have pretty phenomenal grip and if if you've gone for if you've um stabbed a few times then it's it's gonna get slippery and unless um the grip is strong and the hilt is uh broad Mm. i mean it's such a common injury Mm. that's that's how they catch so many of these people because they have uh you know, their hand slips and they cut themselves on the knife. Mm. And 
I mean, you'd you'd hope that, at least with yours, that they would have um, DNA from that, but nothing. And with mine, there there's pictures, there's crime scene photos of uh, of the trunk, mm. and it's it looks like there's been a blanket laid over her, um, mm. like as in left like that, not that the police added it in, no. and um, and there's a few blood spots that have kind of soaked through. But to me, that that's sort of more personal in a way. Like, why would you do that if it were a mob hit or if it was something impersonal? Yeah. Um, it's it's kind of the classic one. Whenever you feel guilty, you you cover at least the face, if not the body, because you you feel bad, mm-hmm. and um, on on some kind of a level. So you do wonder if. Well, I wonder if it was someone who knew her personally. Mm-hmm. But it, it definitely sounds more personal and less professional to me. But then it's weird with the, oh, okay, the supposed cleanliness of it all, as opposed to, um, well, yes, police might be withholding, which yeah. if it's actually still ongoing and they're looking into stuff could be good, I suppose. But. I hope it is still ongoing. I mean, it seems mm. unbelievable this hasn't been solved. You know what I would love if, um, aside from Trevelyne, mm-hmm. because Trevelyne we know is now a secret spy in oh, yes. the South of France. Yep. Um, I would love if all of our unsolved ones could be solved. Yeah. Yeah. I should set up Google alerts for all of them. We should. We've been talking about this. Yeah. Mm. Well, that is my crime for this Friday. Mm. It was a heavy one, but a good one. And like, I I do want to repeat in case you missed it, please rewind because the, um, if you have any information, I thought that was very nice and since it's still open and yeah. if anyone can help yeah um, definitely the, worth doing so yeah if you know anyone who was mm. there around the time ask them questions see if they freak out like <laughs> no but seriously like I mean what okay I was about to say what's the harm but uh, yeah yeah okay um, <laughs> but no seriously we're talking we're talking September 1992 Boston do you know anyone? Do you, did you see anything? Did you hear anything? Um, it's, yeah. Contact State Police Detective Unit for Suffolk County. The number is, one more time if you're calling from the US, 617-727-8817. Can you imagine if, like, if you're listening to this and you know something, just call. Yes. Just call. Like, at this point, it's just... I don't know. There needs to be justice. Yeah. Yeah, there does. I feel so sorry for um I feel so sorry for her mum. Mm-hmm. Marlene wants answers. Yep. Her dad is uh has now passed away with no answers. Mm. No parent should have to bury their child. This is true. Okay. And on that very sad note, we no, we can't end on that sad note, right? This is this is really very much uh we should have a drink before finishing this uh podcast. But um Okay. Let's uh cut something fun in here. (laughs) I'll just go through the archives and find some hilarious outtake and paste it in completely without context. (laughs) Um Okay. Um might be slightly disrespectful, but nah. No, no, we'll just leave it in like this and then it's fine. Um (laughs) 
Well, thank you, dear listeners, for tuning in again. We are back next week. Mm-hmm. And uh, we wish you a very nice weekend. Mm-hmm. And are you- Send all your happy hopes and thoughts to um, Anna so she'll get the best sandwich selection possible on her flight. <laughs> uh, and uh, yeah, like I said, we'll, uh, we'll see you next week on Tuesday. Uh, in the meantime, any questions, any tips, any suggestions or whatever, Hook us up on Twitter. Yeah. No, hit us up on Twitter. You're not dealing with drugs. Uh, hit us up on Twitter <laughs> at Crown by the Bar. <laughs> or if you have something longer to share or you don't want to do it in a public forum, you can email us, crimebythebar at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll keep it on the DL. Just tell us that um, that you want to... I sound like a drug dealer. <laughs> yes, <laughs> you do. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll keep it quiet if you want to send us a secret, <laughs> secret story or tip. Um, or if you want a shout out, give us a shout. We uh, sure. we will we'll possibly oblige you. Um, <laughs> and for all the fancy extras, you can go to crimebythebar.com. I will put the phone number up there. If you have missed it and you keep missing the timestamp and it's really annoying you, <laughs> then uh, that's fine. I will put it up on there. And hmm. yeah, we should we should share this one on Twitter some. We should. And we will. We will. So, mm. yeah, that's it. So... Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening. Bye. 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 Hmm. <laughs> People who listen to podcasts have higher IQs than uh, than average, and they they tend to earn more money, and they tend to just be all around better human beings. You are smart, successful, and beautiful. And we thank you for listening to us. You are mm-hmm. wonderful, wonderful human beings. And cats, if you're there. That too, that too. <laughs> 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 <laughs>